Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let's pray together. Father, oh, you may be seated. Father, I thank you that you are present with us, that you're present with us in this room, that you're present with us wherever we are watching this from, that you have given us your spirit, that we might have a hope, a hope in waiting. So be with us today, be with me as I speak, and I pray that the words that I give today would be a blessing, that it would encourage, be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever we're watching from, whatever time we're watching this. Um, We will be covering, once again, this topic of patience. We've been talking about patience throughout the month of December, and it's been causing me to consider what it truly means to be patient in the Christian life. So I decided that today we're going to go through somewhat of a devotional. We're going to consider what it means to truly be patient in the Christian life. Before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about how we're not patient. See, I'm convinced that here in SoCal, USA, we are slowly but surely losing the capacity to be patient. Think about it for two seconds, right? We have Amazon Prime. If you want something, you get it now. Same-day delivery. You don't have to leave your home. DoorDash. You're tired of cooking? Go ahead. Order it. Shows up 30 minutes later, hot and ready. You can eat it. Didn't have to do anything but click a button. Instant streaming. You used to have to wait each week for the episode of your new favorite show to come out, but now they just drop the whole season. So you get to sit in your PJs and binge it um, in one weekend. Think about your cell phone. You have this little device in your pocket that you're able to do anything you want in a matter of seconds. Call a friend, research a question, run your business, buy your new car. It's really insane. And what I'm not saying is that these conveniences are by any means like naturally evil. They're not bad things. In fact, I enjoy a lot of these conveniences, but what it does do is that it emphasizes this um, importance of, of instant gratification, right? When, when you really think about how convenient the world is becoming, you start to realize that each year we start looking more and more like the space community from WALL-E, right? We're like in our recliner chairs, we're sipping those drinks that they've like turned your food into mush, pre-chewed for you, and you just press a button and it pops up in front of you. Um, We want things, we want them now. We're plagued with instant gratification. And the emphasis on innovation in our society today really teaches us that faster 
means better. So when we talk about patience, we think that means waiting two weeks for something to be shipped to your house or waiting 45 minutes to be seated at your favorite restaurant. So now that we've talked about being bad at patience and how it shouldn't look, I want to challenge us to see the merit in waiting and persevering through God's process of sanctification. So we're going to take a minute. We're going to pause. We're going to wait. And we're going to redefine what Christian patience truly looks like. So I did a little biblical study on the word of patience, and I noticed that both in the Hebrew and the Greek, patience shares the same root with these other words that we come across in Scripture. Perseverance, endurance, steadfastness, and long-suffering. Let us, for the moment, recognize that among that list of words, patience is perhaps the most digestible. If I were to ask you right now to raise your hand and, and say, who could do with a bit more patience? I'm sure most, if not all of us, would say, yeah, yeah, I could be a bit more patient. But who's raising their hand if I asked you, who wants to be more long-suffering? Nobody, right? I don't, I don't think I would want to be able to suffer for a long time. I actually think I don't want any suffering at all. But this is my argument. We are to consider today that true Christian patience is long-suffering. Can you turn with me to James chapter 1? We're going to read verses 2 and 3. For your convenience, it will be on the screen if you don't have a Bible near you. James 1, 2 through 3, or we're going to read 2 through 4. It says here, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, as we consider this verse in James, I want to give you my working definition of long-suffering. Okay, I came up with this definition here. I think long-suffering is enduring your present situation by trusting that God is using your circumstances as a process to mature you for the future he has promised to you. Okay, that's a long definition, so I'll say it one more time. Long-suffering is enduring your present situation by trusting that God is using your circumstances as a process to mature you for the future he has promised to you. As we look forward to the new year, we often look back on the previous year, and some of us might have had the worst or the best 2023, could have had the worst or best year of your life. Some of you might have had a mundane or a stagnant 2023, uh, and I'm sure most of us have had a roller coaster of emotions and, and just a crazy mess of a year. 
But however this past year may have looked and whatever you want to be changed in this next year or you want to remain the same, I want us to consider that God has been walking beside us, beside you, inviting you into greater maturity, to share in his holiness, into a more intimate relationship with him through long-suffering, through this process of enduring your present circumstances. Now, this process is not on demand. It will not be shipped overnight. It's not bite-sized, and it will not be 5G LTE. But I promise you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is bearable. And the suffering is well worth it because as Christians, we have this assurance of our hope. God is not calling us to a suffering that he himself has not already endured for us. We know this because our God, Christ himself, is the long sufferer. He's the ultimate long sufferer. Flip with me one book back to Hebrews chapter 12. This is convenient. You just have to turn one page. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3 together. Once again, for your convenience, it'll be on your screen. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we, have, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. We'll pause there. So the previous chapter, chapter 11, explains how since the time of Abel, there have been generations upon generations of righteous people who have received their righteousness by virtue of trusting in the Lord and enduring through their current circumstances. It lists Abraham, who we've been covering over the month of December, his process, his journey, how God is calling him to patience and sanctification. It goes on to talk about Moses and Rahab and Joshua and others who serve as this example for us of endurance. Their response of endurance in each of their circumstances gives us a model for us to follow in our lives today. Our call of endurance is to strive toward holiness in a world so set on addicting you to instant gratification. And the foundation for this assurance, for this endurance, for this perseverance is Christ himself. When we think about our sin, we often think about the shame It causes us, or the way it harms those around us. But we can often forget that our sin, the the sin of the world even, chiefly offends God, and it hurts his heart first. Yet it's Christ himself who endured our sin in a more beautiful and loving way than we could have ever imagined or ever deserved. 
Now, God is the only one who actually has the right to instantly gratify himself. So when we sin, God is actually would be just if he punished us right in the moment. He could destroy us. He could undo all of creation. But the apostle Peter tells us in his second letter that God himself has patience for us. You heard that right. God has been long-suffering the sin of the world since the fall. And honestly, even before the fall, he knew that they were going to sin. He knew he would have to send his son into the world to die for that sin. And when Jesus came, he endured the opposition of sinners on our behalf his whole life. It says, for the joy set before him, we just read this, the joy set before him, your salvation. He endured the torment of the cross and the humiliation of death. You see, God is patient not to put up with our sin, but to put on our sin so that we might put on his righteousness. Consider with me for a hot flash second all of biblical history. I know that's a big ask. We'll run through it, right? There are wicked kings. There's the wickedness of Noah's age. There's Sodom and Gomorrah. There's rises and failures of Israel as God's chosen nation. And so from Adam to Christ, God has been patient to be justified. He didn't deal with the sin problem until the cross. He waited this whole time. The Bible says that at the perfect time, or another translation says, as soon as he could, God sent his son into the world. Not only this, but when Jesus came, he came as a baby. Consider the patience God is having. He could have sent him into the world in his full glory and have him just like deal with sin and do away with it. But no, he consigned him to humility, to be in diapers, to be in a manger, to then live 32 long years with people all around him who cursed him, who hated him, who blasphemed his father, only to be then led to the cross, sinless, unstained by the world, and crushed for our iniquity. And after this, he still had patience. He waited in the grave for three days. He's just so patient. And it just doesn't even end there, which is the funny thing. We think it ends there, but in fact, he's still waiting, right? Jesus is going to come back. This is the Christian story. We know the end. It's been promised to us, but we're still waiting. God is going to come back, and Jesus is still waiting to bring about the full promises of his kingdom. And it's this God, this Christ, this Jesus who is the example for us to have endurance. But not only does he settle to be an example for us, but he is the one who accomplishes this in us, this work of endurance. As we turn to him and trust in him in our present situation, our long sufferings, he is the faithful one of God who brings us to the Father. It's by his power his resurrection, his righteousness, his spirit, that we might have the means to enter the Father's presence 
and consider our trials joy. It's what gives us breath. Because he did these things and lives in us, we can do these things as he lives with us. Does this make sense? Okay. So going back to our passage, the author of Hebrews, he's encouraging us here toward this divine endurance, that it's God himself enduring in us. We are to fix our eyes on Christ and his promise of salvation as the breath of our perseverance. We are to consider him and his endurance so that we might not grow weary in the marathon marked out for us. So setting our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, let us circle back around to that passage in James. So go ahead, flip your Bible page just one more time back to James. Let's read it again. It says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. We're all in different stages in our life. We have different trials, we have different struggles, we have different sin that we're dealing with. Regardless of whatever this past year may have brought, whatever the, this, this, um, the sin that has come up in this past year, and regardless of what you want next year to look like, the call is to persevere. Let us long suffer alongside Christ as Christ continues to long suffer in us. This is what it truly means to bear the fruit of patience, that we would accept the invitation of Christ for us to join him in his suffering. Now, before we conclude, I would like for us to consider this. What are some of the circumstances in your life that's bringing about suffering? As we're considering this, allow me to give us two applicable ways to accept God's invitation, to allow him to form us and mature us through these circumstances that we're presently long-suffering. Here's the first applicable way. Just as God denied himself the right to bring about immediate judgment upon our sin— Have grace for yourself and for those who have sinned against you. So you see, God is not relaxed in his promise to bring about justice to sin. He will come back and he will right the wrongs that we have in this world. But the Bible tells us to consider God's patience as our salvation. He has grace for us so that we might have the opportunity to join him in the suffering in this journey of long-suffering that we are called to. Now, we have to remember that we too, in this present moment, are waiting. We mentioned this. We're, We're not where we want to be or where we should be. Even though we have the hope of salvation in Jesus, we're still bogged down by the reality of sin in our lives, whether that's broken relationships or habitual patterns that are hurting your liver or your marriage or your kids. 
You still have these things pop up and pester you every so often. But have you considered that these might actually be the means by which God is bringing about your maturity? These might be the tools that God is using to create in you a holiness. So just as God extends grace to you in your current circumstances, receive grace for yourself and extend it to those around you. Now, this is a big ask because it takes trust. Trust is a hard thing to come by. And you have to trust that as you accept God's invitation and you invite others to join him as well, God is going to do the work. He's going to do the work of sanctification. He will do the work of long-suffering in and alongside you. You have to trust him. For by believing in the gospel, you then receive the same spirit of Christ who long-suffered the sin of the world all the way up until the cross. So, applicable way to have patience Number one, just as God has grace for you, have grace for yourself and those around you. Number two, set your eyes on the future promises of God. Just as Jesus set his eyes on the joy set before him, the salvation of all believers, you are to also set your eyes on the promise of your salvation, the forgiveness of your sin, and the resurrection to an eternal life spent with God. Now, in the midst of long-suffering, as we said, there must be trust. And this trust, then, it builds up an eager expectation in us for a better future. And as we opened up and talked about how we're not patient, I don't mean a better future as in a more easily attained future, a faster future a more wealthy or a less troubled future. I mean a better future where you enjoy the peaceful fruit of righteousness because you have been matured and made holy through the process which God is bringing you through, which God is suffering with you through. So then, with these two applicable ways, let us conclude this time with prayer, and let's go on to consider the, the afflictions of Christ as he invites us through our afflictions, through our sufferings, to know him and be made more like him every day. And so throughout this next year, and hopefully until he returns home to us, and, or we return home to him, I pray that we may continue to grow our likeness to his. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you have in yourself the capacity to be patient. You have in yourself the strength to long suffer and to bring us through whatever present circumstance we might be enduring. So Lord, as we consider these things, we consider the fact that you are the ultimate long sufferer. You are the one who bore shame, who bore sin in spite of the opposition of the world. That you empower us, Lord. Thank you that you do this. I pray that that you would embolden us. You would embolden us to have grace for ourselves, to extend grace to those around us. But Lord, that you would give us the hope 
to keep moving forward, to keep trudging on, to keep suffering long. It's your spirit through which we are sanctified, and it's your spirit through which we are made holy. So I pray that you would do your work in us, Holy Spirit, and that you would empower us to accept your invitation to this long and hard walk. We thank you that you make it worth it, Lord. We lift this time up to you. We ask that you'd make it holy. In Jesus' name, amen.